Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a weekly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Very early on Sunday morning. It certainly is. Good morning. Good morning. Today we're talking about, well, what are we talking about? Red skin or sensitive skin or a bit of both? A bit of both. Yeah, I, I do get this a lot in the clinic. I've um, had clients say to me, oh, my skin's really sensitive. It's reactive. Can't use this ingredient because my skin just flares up. Um, so, yeah, it's something that's quite common that I come across in the clinic. So, yeah, let's delve into that. Well, I get asked it all the time. I'm also one of those people that gets skin flares, my my skin flares up as well. Um, so I can talk firsthand about that too. And I've also noticed with age, my skin gets more reactive and I have to be very careful what I use. But I don't have that typical sensitive skin. And I think most people that say they have sensitive skin actually don't have sensitive skin. They have sensitized skin and the two things are very different so somebody that's usually got true sensitive skin they're more allergy prone people so they may be people that are prone to things like eczema food allergies asthma um, hay fever dust mites those types of things they also may be the type of people that can't use fragrance in washing powder so people say i'm i'm sensitive to fragrance that means they can't use fragrance in a deodorant a washing powder they react um they're usually the the sensitive skin people and there's actually very few truly truly sensitive skin it's like allergies you know somebody that's allergic to fragrance for instance i think it's something like two percent of people it's very low so most people are more sensitized and it's learning to be able to tell the difference and how to actually minimize the reactions to the skincare or to the environment or to whatever it is is causing the sensitization of the skin exactly um and skin as we know is an integral part of our immune system and you know if we are under stress, um, if we are, you know, if our skin barrier is compromised, the skin is not coping with the environment or pollution, um, it's going to become sensitive. If we're more prone to hay fever, and I saw a lot of this, or I see a lot of this during spring, I saw a lot of sensitized skin in particular post-COVID or when, when, when clients actually had COVID after that period. Um, skin changed, skin reactivity changed. It did become more sensitized to certain ingredients. If our skin barrier is impaired, our microbiome is disrupted on our skin, we are going to have sensitized reactive skin and it's not going to be able to tolerate certain ingredients and it's going to flare up in particular if we are prone to those conditions like eczema, hay fever, dermatitis, you know, they're the things that will definitely contribute to that. And if our immune system is compromised, you will definitely see a skin that is a little bit more reactive and sensitive. And then it won't be able to tolerate ingredients so well. They'll penetrate too quickly. That will cause a reaction, a flare-up. Um, so it needs to be handled in a certain way. 
Absolutely. I think the first thing to ask is when somebody's skin is sensitive is are they always sensitive or has it suddenly become sensitized? Because the immune system, as you said, can definitely make the skin more responsive. So can stress. Mm. Um, and we speak about stress a lot, but if you are under stress, sometimes you don't realize how stressed you are, but your skin will respond because stress does create that physical response within the body. You're going to have your skin on high alert. The skin is a really highly complex or, um, organ. You've got, um, chemicals in the skin that respond to stress. You, you get vasodilation, you can get, um, the immune system becomes more compromised. Everything is on high alert. We've got these little antimicrobial peptides. You know, the microbiome even becomes on, on high alert. So yes. skin then is going to be responding um, a lot more quickly than what it would usually. It's a little bit like I always say, like a, a guard or a sniper. You know, if you know there is an attack coming, you're going to be on much higher alert. And that's literally what happens to the skin when we are stressed. Um and then also it's that accumulative effect. So if we're stressed and then we think, oh, I'm, I'm not sleeping, that is going to have an effect on how our skin responds. Then perhaps that person is having extra caffeine to get them through the day because they're tired. That extra stimulation from the caffeine is going to make the skin more potentially responsive if they are already under stress. Um even if they're just drinking too much caffeine, in some people it could make the skin more reactive. I'm a big coffee fan and look, I've got my coffee here. Um, <laughs> but it is important to be aware that if you're having too much caffeine, it could overstimulate the skin. Also alcohol, if that person is then having alcohol every night or you know multiple times a week, alcohol is also a vasodilator. That's also going to help with sort of compromising the immune system. And worsening stress. So these factors we have to take into consideration are compounding the problem and making it worse. And the skin is going to be more reactive. Even things like, um, you know, stress from work, maybe even travel. If somebody is traveling, that can upset the circadian rhythms of the body. It can put stress on the body in a way that doesn't feel like stress. And I can't tell you how many times I hear from people that, you know, oh, I just went on an airplane, I traveled, I'm on holiday, I should be relaxing and my skin is actually more reactive. So Definitely. sometimes it's not the way your skin's not going to react the way that you think it's going to react. And even a change in the environment, which is going to change the microbiome, can make the skin more reactive as well. So there are a lot of different factors at play here and even hormones. Um, different times of the month, our skin can be more sensitive. We even know that at certain times of the month, particularly with, you know, with women um, premenstrual, we know that their pain threshold changes. And so at certain times of the month, that's not when you go and have a treatment that could potentially be painful because they're going to feel it more, let's face it. Um, so menopause as well, the skin can become more sensitized and more reactive. So there are a lot of things at play here to understand why the skin is more sensitive. Um, we also then have to think about what we can do to minimize the sensitivity as well. Yeah. And look, anytime, this is something that I do explain to clients quite a lot. Anytime we 
are taking medication, um, the oral contraceptive pill, it's going to alter alter the way the body functions, right? So the skin will also respond to that. And you can all of a sudden become quite sensitive to certain things. You can get flare-ups, any chronic inflammatory skin conditions left untreated, like rosacea, for example, that's a little bit of a different category, but, you know, eczema, dermatitis, any of those chronic skin conditions that are left untreated and unmanaged, um, your skin will also be prone to more flare-ups as well. You know, so it comes back down to strengthening our immune system through our diet and our gut health because our skin will respond to that. And we know how important our diet is. So if you are having these flare-ups, if your skin is sensitized, I always let my clients know, really make sure that you are avoiding those foods that are on the inflammatory side, which is something we talk about a lot. You know, your alcohol, your sugar, refined processed junk food you know if your skin's flaring up it's telling you something and you feeding your gut those types of foods is going to make things worse because you are essentially encouraging those bad bacteria in your gut to um, proliferate or act in a way that's going to exacerbate inflammation so you've got to tackle this not just superficially with the correct products you've got to look at the internals as well, strengthening strengthening the immune system, um, looking at your diet, ingestible support, and then looking at your skincare and using those ingredients that are, that are going to reduce inflammation and strengthen that skin barrier function to ensure that the skin is functioning well and permeability is at its optimum level as well. Because as you and I know, a skin barrier that's impaired active ingredients are going to penetrate very quickly and create a lot of heat. And, you know, and that's the thing with skin that's sensitized and compromised. Um, there is a lot of heat associated with it. So a lot of my clients say my skin feels really hot. And even, you know, having treatments done, if we don't reduce those flare-ups and you're working on a skin that is under heat or the influence of all of that inflammatory response, you're not going to get the result that you're looking for from treatment either. So it does need to be addressed um, and not left either. I think as well, it's also looking at what's going to worsen that response. And this is when it comes back to maybe what we're doing at home or even in clinic. And this is the whole irony of it. A lot of these treatments are going to actually cause skin sensitization when done if I say when done incorrectly, it sometimes it's just too much. It's too much. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, if you're doing dermaplaning and then putting active ingredients on, not every skin will tolerate that. That is a lot for the skin to cope with. Um, you're, you're compromising how the, the microbiome, you're compromising um, how the skin is going to react because it's going to be more responsive. Um, even with things like microdermabrasion, chemical yes. uh, chemical peels, yes. over exfoliation. So I'm a big fan of hydroxy acids when used correctly, when used in the right amount. Now, for some people, they may be able to use hydroxy acids every day. For other people, it may be twice a week. For other people, it may be less than that. You know, we've got to work out what our, our skin threshold is. Yes. But if we're doing those cookie cutter treatments in clinic, and I see it time and time and time again on a skin that is not um, sort of going to respond well, like I've got a very fine skin. So if you do a microdermabrasion followed by a skin peel on me, I will respond. 
my skin will react. I know my skin. Um, and it was, it will take a week or so for my skin to settle down. So why put my skin through that? It just doesn't need that extra ex exfoliation. If you've got a really thickened sun damaged skin, or you've got a, an acneic skin that's not inflamed, then that skin may be able to tolerate it. But this is where it comes down to critical thinking with the therapist in the first place, rather than just do all these really intense treatments. And I know you're not um, a fan of packages and things like that for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. Um, look, you've got to understand the client and the different stage of life that they're at. And, you know, as we said earlier, hormone stress impact our bodies in such a significant way. And in particular, as we do get older, um, for women that do go through menopause, every single cell in our body has an estrogen receptor, right? So as our estrogen declines, our skin is going to behave very differently. If you have a client that's coming in and is sensitized and the skin barrier is impaired, they are red and they are hot, you are not going to perform that treatment just because you've recommended it to them. You need to really assess their skin every single treatment, which I've said before, um, and treat them accordingly. Um, and we know, you know, we don't see our clients for four to six weeks on occasion, right? So lots of things change in between that time. They could have had a virus, they could have become unwell, they may have had to go on different medication, um, hormonal changes, you know, all of that will influence our skin. And you can't really do those treatments that disrupt the skin barrier or create an immune response like peels, like needling. Um, you know, microdermabrasion is not a favorite of mine anyway, but you wouldn't want to do those treatments on a skin that's hot and red and sensitized. Why would you do that? And even on a skin that's not hot and red, it still may be, the skin may come in in a good condition, but doing that treatment on that particular skin is going to trigger it. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, they'll have a flare-up, yeah. And that takes a very trained eye to be able to predict how a skin is going to react. Mm. Um and that I believe takes experience. Totally. You need um, experience to understand skin. And I think people that have been in industry for a long time, it takes a long time to understand skin. It takes a long time to understand the different stages of a client's life or our life in general, you know, from puberty to pregnancy um, to menopause, you know, whatever the case may be, it takes understanding and experience to really know how to treat that client, what modalities you would use, how you would combine them um, to get the result for that client. They're coming to you for professional advice. They're not coming to you just because they've purchased a package, which is why in the clinic, I don't do those. I, I don't recommend treatments with packages. And I know my clients ask me all the time, but that's not how I work. Skin is an individual approach and things can change from each appointment. So it is about at the end of the day, we're there to create a healthy skin, aren't we? That's what we want to do and take clients through every single stage of their life. Totally. Um, I see it time and time again. But also I think we need to take responsibility of what we're doing for our skin at home. Um, and I know we say it nearly every podcast, but... <laughs> one of the things you know that I see all the time is that people over treat their skin and yeah. 
I try skin treatments all the time. It's part of my job and I'm, I'm all one for taking one for the team to give feedback and, and to share. But I know if I have too many skin treatments and when I say too many, I mean more than one a week, um, Ideally, one a month. It depends what what the treatment is. Obviously, some treatments are required once a week. But I know um, if I push my skin too much, I'm not going to get better skin. I'm going to get worse skin. My skin's going to become irritated. It's dry. It's patchy. I personally don't want that downtime. So if a therapist says to me, "Oh, your skin is just purging. It's it's going to go through a dry and irritated phase." Why? Why do I want to put my skin through that? It, it's not actually making my my in skin in particular better um so I think it's to be aware of if somebody wants to put your skin through those kind of treatments what is their end goal because it's not always going to be the best option for everybody and I'm I'm always saying to therapists I don't do well with strong peels or um please don't do microdermabrasion on my skin it's too fine it will react oh no you'll be fine I know what I'm doing and then sure enough I get hives at the end of the day um (laughs) So I think it's about understanding your skin, but also understanding what we're doing for our skin at home. And most people, as I was trying to say, actually do too much. Agreed. Quite often, and this is where I have an issue with the industry, quite often, if you go and see a skin professional, there's some great professionals out there like yourself, but then there are other ones that are just out for a sale. They're out for selling the package. They're also out for selling you 10 different skincare products to use at home. You've got this whole morning regime and then you've got this whole evening regime and you've got two different cleansers in the morning, two different cleansers in the evening, and then you've got three different cleansers for the morning, complete, uh, sorry, serums, and then you've got completely different products for the evening. And for me, I really question that, you know, sort of someone that sort of worked in the industry that's worked in product formulation, you don't need that many products. You really don't. And the more you do to your skin, the more you are going to trigger an immune response in your skin because your skin is going to go, what the heck's going on here? What are you putting on? And remember, you have got a, a response in your skin that is is pretty much your skin is actually on alert all the time watching for foreign invaders. So the more you do to it, the more lightly it is going to react. And then the more you are stripping it and using really harsh products like um, very strong cleansers or double, triple cleansers, and then you're following with exfoliation and you're doing that too much and you're doing that in the morning and the evening, you're, you're stripping that skin barrier, which is there as a protection, and you are going to respond, especially if you're using active ingredients or ingredients that are going to trigger potential skin sensitivity. Exactly. And it comes back it comes back down to the why, doesn't it? Like what are you trying to achieve for that client? Um, you know, what are you trying to do for the skin? And when I prescribe skincare, it really comes down to the current skin condition, what ingredients they need to elevate the skin's functionality and to bring it back down to a place of homeostasis they may not stay on that skincare range, you know, and and that's exactly what I tell my clients. This is what you need at this time to get your skin back to a healthy state, but you may not stay on these products. You may not need these products continuing on. Some people need more than others. It really comes down to what we're treating. And unfortunately, this is what I guess annoys me. There are a lot of companies out there that offer commission schemes, incentive schemes to therapists to sell their skincare 
And that really gets under my skin because what happens is the therapist becomes so focused on achieving a so-called target money-wise to get commission, but they forget what they're meant to be doing. At the end of the day, we are here for our clients and we are here to achieve the best results for our clients. We are not here for ourselves on that level, you know? Um, So it really does come back down to why, what are you trying to achieve and what do you want to do for that client to bring it back to a healthy state? A lot of people do use way too much skincare. Um, And I've seen that a lot. And a lot of my clients say, you know, I'm really happy with what I'm using at the moment. Some people want more, you know, some people love having a hundred serums, you know, in their bathroom, you know, but other people really don't. They want something more consolidated. So look at the client that you're dealing with. If you've got someone that's a mother of four children, she's not going to have 20 minutes at night to do her skincare. But if you've got, you know, a career woman, a corporate woman that really embraces the way she looks and loves looking after her skin, she may want more skincare but prescribe her the right ones. Don't just sell a product just because you're going to get some commission from it. I I do have a big issue with that as well. And um, I think it's something to be aware of, especially now with social media and everyone sort of promoting this product and that product, and then they're cherry picking and mixing all the products up and the skin. You've got to stick with a a skincare regime. And my advice is keep it simple. Um, You can then start to add in more what I call actives, as the skin can tolerate it. But if somebody does have sensitive skin, then less is best. Cleanser, um, moisturiser and SPF to start with until the skin is in a state where you can actually then start to incorporate your your vitamin Cs and your your retinols and your hydroxy acids. So you need to be able to monitor that very, very carefully, which then brings me on to the subject of, and I this is a this is a really interesting, almost a debate. Um, should a product tingle when you use it? Because some people, I hear this a lot. Some people say, if it's tingling, then it's harming your skin. It's not a good product. And then other people say, oh, if it doesn't tingle, um, it's not working. So what's your thought on that? Good point. Um, There are products that will create a tingling sensation. And if you've got a healthy skin barrier, you won't have any heat associated with that. It will tingle and then it will settle. And there are products that will do that. For example, like Lotion P50 by Biologic Recherche. You'll feel some tingling essentially in the beginning because it's trying to create a change in the skin, a healthy change, but then that settles. Um, things like, you know, your AHAs will tingle a little bit when you apply it, but then it will settle. However, if you start to put it on and it starts to tingle, the tingle doesn't settle and then it starts to develop heat and you get flushing, then you need to look at the ingredient or the product that you're using because it may not be right for you at that time. Yep, that's a good good way to describe it. Um, I see the flushing a lot with niacinamide. Um, niacinamide is not meant to cause flushing, but sometimes the way it's formulated um, or if it's a, a lower quality niacinamide, it can actually cause that red, reddening and, and flushing, which is why I personally have an issue when brands promote high levels of niacinamide because the evidence is between 2 to 5%. So why on earth would you put in a higher percentage? Um, it's marketing, which then tells me the brand's more about selling a product and saying, look, higher is better. When the evidence clearly shows us that it's not, that's when I have an issue. Um, same with vitamin C. 
And this is why I also have an issue when brands are heavily promoting ours is better because it's a higher percentage. To me, that is a warning bell with that brand that that immediately gets my back up with a particular brand when they're doing that because it's telling me that they're all about the sale, they're all about the marketing, and they're not really explaining how a product works. The higher the percentage does not mean a more effective product. It depends on what that product is um, blended with. For instance, different products will enhance each other and different or different ingredients. Different ingredients can also negate each other and make the product less effective. So it comes down to the final formulation. It comes down to the ingredients in there, the penetration enhancers, how that product is actually formulated, the type of ingredients. So, um, you know, the type of vitamin C, for instance, the type of retinol or retinaldehyde. Retinaldehyde will, will be in a far lower percentage than retinol. But mm. I still hear people say, um, oh, you need 1% retinaldehyde. No, that's actually illegal. So where are you getting that percentage from? Maybe mm -hmm. in a retinol, but not a retinaldehyde. So people just still don't understand ingredient percentages. Um, L-ascorbic acid will be in a far higher amount because it is so unstable than if you're using um, more stable forms of vitamin C. So I'm actually quite a fan of not letting people know what the percentages are in a product because everybody thinks they know better. And unless you are a cosmetic chemist, you don't. Um, I actually saw a skin therapist promoting the other day and I nearly said something out of the, oh, just let it go, um, about the ingredient list, <clears throat> excuse me. And she was saying, oh, you really need to check your ingredient list because the higher um, amounts of ingredients will be at the top and the lower amounts will be at the bottom. And sometimes, you know, the ingredients aren't even in at 1% and they're not doing anything. And I'm thinking, well, that is absolute rubbish because at 1%, what, what people don't understand is you could have a very active product of an ingredient at 1%, like retina, uh, retinol, for instance, that would be a very high amount of retinol. Um, and she was actually, so some of the actives are actually lower than 1% to be effective. Um, so you need to really understand your ingredients. Some may be higher, but some, some um, peptide products, for instance, they may be put in at higher amounts of 1%. So when, when you buy them, for instance, the, the effectiveness of that ingredient may be at, I don't know, 2%, but the actual peptide in that ingredient as you buy it is lower than 1%, if that makes sense, because it's yeah. combined with other things. Quite often um, your retinols and are, are like that as well because they, they come in a combination of other ingredients. So the active component of that may actually be less than 1%. So brands sometimes will say 2% complex. So you think you've got a higher amount, but in fact the actual active part of that may be under 1%. My point being, you can't go by percentages because unless you are a product formulator, it gets very confusing and you most people don't understand. After 1% um, input, your ingredients can be listed in any order. So a brand could have all of their actives under 1% and list them so that one of the actives is at really quite high at the top. And you think, wow, it's got a lot of that ingredient in there, but it may not actually be in a high amount. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You could actually have a very active product that you 
an ingredient looks lower down on the list because it's got so many other ingredients in there, but it may actually be in quite a, a high amount. So unless you know where that 1% line is, it's very hard to tell what order your ingredients are in. And even then, as I've mentioned, it might be a peptide that its active component is under 1%. That's a therapeutic use level of it. So doesn't mean to say it's not active. So I wish people would stop doing that when they don't know what they're talking about because it's really, really um, annoys me. <laughs> yeah, and it gets um, back to um, staying in your lane, doesn't it? <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> quite often, again, we get all of this scaremongering on ingredients and people are like, oh, my God, this ingredient's bad, this ingredient's bad. So people will will look at an ingredient label and go, oh, well, they're reacting because it's got this ingredient in it. And quite often it's got nothing to do with this bad ingredient. Maybe let's, for instance, say it's fragrance, for instance. As I said, it's something like less than 2% of the population actually has an allergy to fragrance. If somebody is reacting to a product, somebody may look at it and go, oh, my God, it's the fragrance. Um it may not be that. It may be something else. It may be the fact that this has got a really high amount of hydroxy acids and it's at a low, low pH that's actually doing it. It's not actually the fragrance. Or maybe it's a vitamin C and that person's skin's not responding well. Maybe it's that particular emulsifier or preservative that the person is reacting to. It's got nothing to do with the fragrance. Maybe it's a penetration enhancers. Um, or maybe it's a combination of all of the ingredients. So it's not as simple as just saying, well, it's that ingredient. Quite often it can be the combination of ingredients and how they're actually formulated. So some brands will use what I call a, a cheaper penetration enhancers. Um, and what they actually do is they will um, either excite the cell membranes, which is potentially going to irritate the skin to get the product in, or they will weaken the, the skin barrier to get the product in. Things like um, pentylene glycol is a penetration enhancer. Alcohol, like as in not your um, fatty alcohols, but actual alcohol, if you see alcohol listed and there's nothing before or after it, and it just says alcohol or SD alcohol, quite often that will be there as a penetration enhancer. Um, I'm not saying that's a... I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not necessarily going to dry the skin because there's probably not enough alcohol in there to cause skin drying. But people go, oh, alcohol is going to dry the skin. Well, you have to have a lot of alcohol in there um, and you can offset the dryness with hydrating or emollient ingredients. So it's not as simple as just going that ingredient is causing the sensitivity unless somebody actually does have a genuine allergy to a product. And we do know that um, certain ingredients are allergens and are going to be more likely to cause a response in some people, but only the people that are allergic to that ingredient. It isn't going to um, affect everyone else. And I think we've spoken about this before, but it would be like me saying to you, don't eat eggs, Rose, because they're allergens. Don't eat fish um, or seafood because it's an allergen um, you may be fine with those foods it's not going to affect you but it may affect other people so it's important to understand that just because a certain ingredient may be an allergen that it's not going to cause an issue for the majority of people 
What are the most common allergens in skincare, would you say? What are the things um, that you should look for? Essential oils mm. um, can be an issue. As I said, fragrance can, but we know it's like less than 2%. So, um, And then you've got your fragrant components, things like geraniol. But again, it's a very low incidence of somebody actually responding to that, but they can. Um, and then you've got things like the um, preservatives. Pre preservatives, I would say, in my experience, and you need preservatives, don't get me wrong, but preservatives can cause issues and not all preservatives. I mean, parabens have got such a, a terrible rap, but they have they're probably one of the preservatives that people react the least to. And because everybody has scaremongered on parabens, and if I was formulating a product, I, to be honest, I wouldn't use parabens because I know people don't want them. And, and this is the problem when we scaremongering. Now we're seeing other preservatives that have to be used in higher amounts, which therefore combined with other ingredients could then make the skin more reactive like my skin for instance I know if, if there's benzyl alcohol in a product quite often I can't use it um mm -hmm. my skin doesn't do well with um propylene glycol either for some reason but other people you know for some people that is a humectant um and a can enhance penetration of the skin or, or help to a certain degree more so pentylene glycol but propylene glycol can also be a preservative booster. Um, so again, just because there's preservatives in there doesn't necessarily mean the skin's going to be reactive to it. It depends how that product is formulated and what other potential irritating ingredients are combined. It's usually the combination of ingredients mm. rather than just one ingredient. So the more potential irritating ingredients you put in the product, the more likely you are to react. Um, and that's why the higher percentage of active ingredients as well, you know, like hydroxy acids, um, even niacinamide, which is meant to be good for skin barrier and for red skin and skin barrier, you know, and reactive skins, people react to it. Um, I see it time and time again. And quite often it is the the type of niacinamide as well that's being used. There's there's some expensive forms of niacinamide um, that have less nicotinic acid and there's other ones that are cheaper and probably more prone to people reacting. So the quality of ingredients does play a role as well. And it ultimately does come down to the final formulation. Some emulsifiers will be more irritating and upset the skin barrier than others, right? So you could have an emulsification system that is going to be irritating and you can have an emulsification system that's actually going to help to reinforce the skin barrier if they're using more emollient type emulsifiers. There are emulsifiers now that will actually reinforce and help to support skin barrier and other ones may potentially be more irritating. The same with surfactants in cleansers. Some are going to be a lot harsher and drying and others aren't going to be quite as harsh and less drying. So it does come down to the final formulation. It's got nothing to do with price point either. And sometimes less is best. But I know I can have a, a skin treatment, for instance, come and use a cleanser that is too harsh and my skin will just go on fire. 
I've used cleansers before that um, may have a gentle surfactant in there, but they've got a preservative system in there that my skin can't cope with. And I've gone, you know, my skin's gone ballistic. And quite often some of these preservatives that we react to are these natural preservatives because we're looking for preservatives that aren't the ones that people don't want to use. Parabens, phenoxyethanol, people are not wanting to use those anymore because of clean beauty and scaremongering. And there's no actual solid evidence to scaremonger on those. And so they're using, you know, the, the glycol type preservatives where um or the the, the benzyl alcohols and they're they're reacting. So it could be that, you know, sometimes I feel this clean beauty is actually causing more, more problems for the skin than actually helping the skin because we, we're moving away and away from safe products and from products using all of these ingredients that are potentially causing more, more reactions. And that's where um, it gets really frustrating. I think I love the way the industry and, you know, formulators are now becoming more savvy about how they do um, create a skincare brand. You know, I think there's a lot more awareness now on um, ingredients and how clients are reacting to things, which is good. But at the end of the day, it comes again back down to that professional practitioner, whoever you're seeing for your skin that person needs to understand the client, you know, yes, understand the formulation to a certain degree. We are not cosmetic chemists. That's you, but you know, understand what's going on with that client. And sometimes there is a little bit of trial and error. You know, I've got a few brands in the clinic, right. And each brand has their own range for sensitized skin, but not all brands are going to suit all skins. So it does come back down to understanding the ingredients in that product and what you feel like your clients need at that time to help with that rebuilding of a healthy skin, reducing that sensitization, you know, like, so it's, it comes back down to the therapist really. Absolutely. And just a little bit of common sense. You're not going to be putting hydroxy acids on the skin. That's got a compromised barrier that is sensitized um, because the skin is just going to go absolutely nuts. But on some skins, that skin is going to thrive with, hydroxy acids and this is where we can't have that black and white approach of this ingredient is good and this ingredient is bad for some people it's fantastic and for mm. other people it's not great and as skin professionals I think it's important to understand as well just because a product worked for you doesn't mean to say it's going to work for everybody and just because a product didn't work for you doesn't mean to say everybody else is going to react to it because I do see that a lot um Quite often people will recommend what they love, which is great. If you're talking about this product really worked for me, it's fantastic. I think it would work for you because your skin is similar. But if you're just recommending the same thing for everyone, the skin doesn't work that way. We don't work that way as, as humans. Um, my husband uses a cleanser that I can't use because I find it too drying. He loves it and his skin's thriving on it. So we do need to understand that there are different products for or different skins. For me, um, when it comes to the tingle, some products will tingle and my skin is great. Other products will tingle and I'm like, oh, I've got to be careful with this. It's it's going to be irritating. Not necessarily meaning it's a more active product. So that's a point to make because people, I, I have so many people that say, I like my products to really tingle and feel the burn when I put them on. Otherwise, I don't feel like that product is doing something. You could have a product that feels like it's doing absolutely nothing 
right, that you can't feel it at all, but it is still doing amazing things for your skin. It might be helping to reinforce the skin barrier. Not all products need to tingle. Some products may tingle because they're changing the pH or you've got penetration enhancers or you've got a really, um, you know, active ingredients like retinaldehyde. Well, not actually retinaldehyde doesn't always tingle either, to be honest with you. Um, it comes down to the formulation. If 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 I was formulating a retinaldehyde, I, I would combine it with ingredients to enhance the penetration, but ingredients that aren't going to irritate because you actually want to help to reinforce the barrier when you're including actives, right? So for me, I, I would be formulating with ingredients to enhance penetration, but more things like your your liposomes that aren't going to cause that irritation that you may get from, say, um, pentylene glycol or just a different penetration enhancer. So it does come down to the type of penetration enhancer. Some will be more irritating than others. Um, others may not be irritating, but may be very potent. And, you know, it's like, silent but deadly yeah. <laughs> um they're quiet you're not getting that response but you are getting an incredible um improvement in your skin but some may tingle so it ultimately comes down to the final formulation and whether that how that product is designed you can't just say it's tingling it's damaging your skin or it's tingling it's working it means it's better um as you've said, Rose, it really does come down to is it tingling and settling or are you going red and blotchy and coming out in hives? If somebody says to me it's quite normal for your skin to go red and blotchy and get breakouts after a skincare product, to me that is a warning bell. Somebody is just telling you anything to sell a product and they don't want to take accountability. Good Shouldn't point. happen. Very good point. Absolutely. Yeah, some products... Um, are meant to tingle, but they are not meant to cause an adverse reaction. There is a big difference in that. Saying that, um, and just to finish on the note that you could have an adverse reaction to a product, but not an allergy, right? So let's say, and I'm a classic example. One day I can use a product and I have an adverse response. Another day I use the same product and I don't have an adverse response. I'm not having an allergy to that product and it doesn't mean it's a bad product. It just means that my skin is in a sensitized state. Maybe it's been um, compromised for stress, for hormones. I've, I've had a, um, a treatment that's made it a little bit more responsive. So that particular product at that time is just too much for my skin. So I don't use it for a few days till my my skin feels like it can it can cope because everything's on high alert and it's going to respond. So just because you do respond to a product, it might be that your your skin is in a stressed state. Leave it for a little bit and then come back and try it and you may be okay with it. Um, you probably will be okay with it, but it's too much too soon. Have a break, come back, use a little bit, and you may be okay with it. doesn't mean to say you're allergic to it. Um, an allergy response is very different where you've got redness, potentially swelling. Um, that is a very different response to a bit of a, a tingling and a bit of a, um, you can get a little bit of almost a dermatitis type response if the skin is in a reactive state. That product may just not be right for you at that particular time, but down the track you may be able to use it and you may end up absolutely loving it. 
Exactly. Um, it may not be able, may not be the right time now, but you can use it later. And there is a big difference, which is something I tell my clients all the time. There is a big difference between a response in the skin and a reaction in the skin. We want a response. We want the skin to change, but we don't want an adverse reaction as such. We want to rebuild a healthy skin. And remember, skin changes every single day. It's influenced by our body. It's influenced by our environment, our hormones, our diet, our gut health, all of those things influence the way that our skin behaves. And from one day to the other, if our lifestyle is very different, our skin is going to behave differently. So yeah, just, just use a little bit of initiative and understand your skin. If it is looking a little bit red, if it is sensitized, perhaps don't use your actives at night. Give it a couple of days, let it rebuild again, and then start again in a couple of days time. Yep. And less is best because quite often people just get this whole regime and like, yeah, I go for it. And yeah. of course, it's a bit like drinking alcohol, you know, have a couple of sips and you'll be fine. But if you just start doing the shots, um, you're going to feel pretty rough the next morning and you're going to be a little bit hungover. And the skin's a little bit the same. We've got to treat the skin with respect and it will respect you back. But when we start abusing the skin too much too soon, um, overloading it, it's going to it's going to fight back. And that's literally what's happening when you have that kind of a response. Well, it's always in a constant state of repair, isn't it? You know, so we want to encourage it to behave better. And that's what it basically comes down to. Absolutely. Well, hopefully um, we now know the difference between sensitized and sensitive. And if you do have a reactive skin, then less is best. And when in doubt, always seek professional guidance.